All right, everybody, welcome back. On this episode of the Zest Flight Podcast, we're going to be exploring effective conflict resolution. But not just that, but what is the role and value of conflict and how do we potentially connect through it? So buckle up and let's get at it. All right, as you might know, so I, I'm a father of four boys. And being a dad is one of the greatest experiences and one of the most important identities that I hold. In fact, that so much of my joy in life really stems from interacting and growing and developing with those four awesome little dudes. And as a household full of boys, like there are a lot of jokes in our house. Like, like the, nothing delights my sons more than a really, really good joke. And my youngest child right now, he's all about pirates. Okay, so he just loves pirates. He's fascinated by them, thinks they're funny. And so I'm going to start with a pirate joke today. Okay, and we're familiar with the saying, to err is human, but to R is pirate. And I'll create some space for you to stop laughing. Just kidding. I know, I know it's kind of a lame joke, but the saying to err is human is fascinating to me because it inherently implies that part of the human experience is to make mistakes, is that we are species riddled with error. Even when we have, you know, the greatest of intentions for things that, va- that like we value so much, we're still going to err. We're still going to make mistakes. With that, it does mean that conflict is inevitable or that there's no way around it, that at some point you're going to experience conflict at home or in the workplace with friends, with people you maybe have a hard time getting along with, and maybe even the people you love most. Overall, to err is human. Therefore, conflict is just going to be part of your human existence. Paxton Blair has stated, relationships means expectations, and expectations mean conflict. And I think that's a beautiful idea to be able to connect the idea where there's relationships with expectations, there's also going to be increased conflict. So what are expectations? Right. So expectations oftentimes manifest as things on our to-do list or that there's a standard in which we're trying to live up to. But ultimately, one of the things with expectations is that expectations ultimately communicate worth. For example, when we start looking at the parenting literature, we find that parents that have a permissive parenting style where there's lots of love, lots of support, but no expectations, those kids tend to have a lot of negative outcomes. They tend to struggle, especially when it comes to self-confidence, their ability to overcome conflict, their ability to launch, in essence. And so when we consider, okay, expectations may cause distress. They may be a source of conflict. But ultimately, expectations are communicating, I see you and I recognize that you have potential. Now, this doesn't mean that all expectations are realistic, manageable, or healthy, right? For example, so on one extreme, you have no expectations. On the other extreme, there's expectations of perfection. But as we've already established, like to err is to be human. And so even when there are expectations, there's not going to be perfection. And I think this is important because a happy and abundant life isn't free from conflict. Nor is there perfection, but there is the presence of expectations. And when I'm trying to teach this concept to students or therapists or even, you know, the clients I work with, I often will say something to the effect of, Where there is a potential for conflict, there's an opportunity for connection. What that means is when there is a conflict, it doesn't have to be dividing, 
but there's really potential to be uniting as you successfully navigate conflict. Okay? And that sounds really like sweet and cool and easy to say, but let's dive in and explore, well, how do we actively turn conflict into connection? The National Institutes of Health have a publication in 2013 by authors Amy Overton and Anne Lowry exploring conflict management and how to have difficult conversations with people. And within their research, they frame sort of six main takeaways when it comes to conflict resolution. Okay, The first point is conflict is inevitable and that both positive and negative consequences may occur depending on how the conflict is managed. And this is spot on, right, that we've already talked about. Okay, so conflict is going to happen anytime there's a relationship with expectations, but that the outcome could be both positive, negative, a little bit of both, or one or the other, right? But it's all about how that conflict is managed, and we'll dive into that a little bit more. Their second piece is that the results are likely to be better with active engagement rather than avoidance, and this is such an important concept. I hope one of the themes of this podcast you've identified so far is that conflict avoidance isn't better relationships. Likewise, the absence of conflict isn't happiness. Now, there's no reason to go out and create more conflict for your life than it's just going to be a natural part of it. But being conflict avoidant means you're not advocating for your needs. It means you're not necessarily valuing and honoring your own personhood nor are you necessarily honoring the relationship. Relationships seldom are built with conflict avoidance. Meaning, if you want to maximize your experience, your the quality of your relationships, it does require learning how do we navigate conflict in a way that both parties feel respected. And there's a difference between being assertive and being aggressive. right? So on one hand, I'm saying don't create more conflict for yourself than you need to. But also on the other hand, when advocating for your needs, don't become aggressive. That oftentimes creates additional conflicts. All in all, I love their second point, that results are likely to be better with active engagement rather than avoidance. Okay, their third identified theme, people must be motivated to address conflict. And one of the most common pieces of advice people give couples as they're new in the relationship is, you got to pick your battles or you're raising a teenager and there seems to be more conflict, and now oh, you got to pick your battles. And it's true, right? You have to pick your battles, but you do have to battle sometimes, okay? So being motivated to address conflict, it's almost as if there's a benefit-cost analysis that runs through people's mind. They say, okay, what is the cost of having this conversation, and what would be the benefits? And that's good to say pros, cons, but one thing I would invite you to consider is what's the cost you're currently paying by not having the conversation. So it's not just what's the cost I would pay to have this interaction with someone, but what's the cost you're actively paying right now by avoiding the conflict. People are often shocked that the cost they're paying may be their own peace, their sense of safety, their sense of worth, the overall minimizing the potential within the relationship. So overall, again, as you consider what conversations are you motivated to have, I'd invite you to consider, well, what's the cost I'm currently paying by not having that conversation? Because ultimately, again, you don't get to choose whether there's a cost, but you can decide which cost you're willing to pay. Okay, the fourth theme in the research is that behavioral, cognitive, and emotional skills can be acquired. And hallelujah, I love this. What that means is whatever your current skill set is to navigate conflict is that it doesn't have to be stagnant or static. It is not a fixed thing. 
and that when we have a growth mindset, we are able to learn skills to help us navigate conflict. And so being able to have insight into, well, why do I behave the way I do? What, you know, what behavior do I exhibit during conflict? And then the cognitions. How am I thinking during a conflict? What am I thinking about myself, the others, the world? And then lastly, what are the emotional skills that I can learn? How do I become emotionally intelligent and attuned with myself such that I'm able to learn and grow with my emotions versus just being mindlessly unaware of them? One of the things that drives conflict avoidance is mindlessness. So being able to tap into how do I be mindfully present in the moment and recognize that there are skills I can use is huge in being able to navigate conflict. Number five is that emotional skills require self-awareness. And that ties into what we were just talking about, where if we want to develop those skills, it does require insight and self-awareness and mindfulness. And we'll talk about that in the next episode, actually. And the final major theme from the National Institutes of Health is that the environment must be neutral and feel safe. And so in resolving conflict, there's an element of does it feel safe to be able to connect and explore possible solutions and gain understanding where each other's at is really, really big. And while those six underlying themes are like delicious, it doesn't necessarily give us the nuts and bolts and like the steps of what, how would I actually begin to resolve conflict within a relationship. One fantastic resource I found on this comes from a book called Becoming a Conflict Competent Leader by Craig Rund and Tim Flanagan, and they use the acronym VALUED. Okay, so the steps of their valued conflict model are this. So for V, it's going to begin with validate. Okay, so the first step to navigating and managing conflict resolution is to validate the experience of the person you're acting with, interacting with. The second is to ask. So ask open-ended questions, trying to gain as much information as you can about sort of their experience and what they're needing. The second, so, or the third, sorry, is L, so listen. So you're listening to test assumptions, so being able to explore uh, your own sort of current understandings. Right, so you're validating, you're asking, you're listening. Next, you're going to uncover interests. And this is where you're trying to see is there overlap between their interest and yours. Okay, so you're uncovering the mutual interest. And the next is going to be E, explore options. So you start trying to find, is there a way to satisfy the needs of both people? And then D is to kind of decide on solutions. Part of the problem is when we have conflict, we oftentimes jump to trying to just decide on solutions versus sort of honoring and respecting the process. So again, so valued is validate, ask, listen, uncover interests, explore options, and then decide. Now, I need to provide an important disclaimer. Sometimes when I start working with couples and they're learning communication skills, they're learning how to identify and express their own emotions more effectively, they almost start get the sense of like, I now must solve every problem I've ever had in every relationship. Or they'll try to solve every single problem they've ever had as a couple. But the reality is, when it comes to conflict resolution, it's not about resolving all of the problems. If that becomes the quest, you're missing the mark. And one of my favorite quotes that illustrates this comes from the book Fighting for Your Marriage. It's from Howard Markman, Scott Stanley, and Susan Blumberg. And this is a quote I use in my classes all the time. And they state, understanding one another is more important for maintaining respect and connection than is solving every problem that life throws your way. One more time. Understanding one another is more important for maintaining respect and connection than is solving every problem that life throws your way. Just another emphasis on 
Don't be conflict avoidant, but also the quality of relationships isn't just about solving problems. Sometimes, the, again, the idea is if I can solve my problems, we now would have a perfect relationship. When you may be undercutting the value of having conflict and differences within your relationship. So please remember that as you are navigating conflict, right, when couples engage in conflict successfully, they feel closer to each other, right? So when there's been some sort of rift or there's been some sort of rupture and the couple's actively able to repair the hurt and the wounds, they feel closer together and their confidence in the relationship grows. But when couples have experiences where they you know, engage in conflict in ways that one or both parties feels hurt, misunderstood, then it tends to increase the strain of the relationship. So, but one of the things that's fascinating that when there's been a rupture, that one of the things that helps a couple like heal is to lean into the conflict. And one of the best ways to do this is by using those XYZ statements we talked about during communication, right? And just as a reminder, XYZ. So when you do X in situation Y, I feel Z. Okay, so I'm identifying what is the hurtful behavior and I'm contextualizing it in this situation. So I'm avoiding the extremes of always or never. I feel Z. Okay, so so much more effective than just an I statement. But when you do X in situation Y, I feel Z. All right. As we begin wrapping up this episode, I want to just sort of recap some of the things we discussed. We began by discussing to err is human and to R is pirate. Okay, so we know that conflict is inevitable. We also know that where there are expectations, there's going to be conflict. And with conflict, that's one way of communicating worth and potential. But overall... One of the biggest sources of conflict is failing to recognize that conflict is often based on our own perceptions. And knowing that your perceptions can change and grow and adapt as you gain new information. One of the most prominent things that I work with people on is helping them recognize and understand that they are working with incomplete information at all times. So whatever their current perspective is on any sort of topic experience or incident, they are working with incomplete information. For you, the biggest sources of conflict within your life, you are working with incomplete information. And one of my business partners and role models is consistently trying to teach me, Todd, seek inspiration through information. What this means is when you have an important decision to make in your life, whether it be a business decision, whether it be Uh, an interpersonal relationship decision, whatever the decision is, the more information you can gather, the more resources you have. Your worldview shifts from being one of scarcity to one of abundance. So the more information you have, the more precise decision-making you can engage in. And so when you're seeking inspiration for important decision, start by exploring what information do I know, what information do I not know, what information can I learn? Okay, and that brings us to the application assignment for this episode. So I want you to consider, what are the three biggest conflicts you're experiencing in your life? If you were to write them down, what would they be? Next, I would ask you, how are you currently perceiving this conflict? Next, identify what information are you potentially missing that if you had greater insight on, you could receive greater inspiration on how to proceed. 
And the last step is ask yourself what behavioral, cognitive, or emotional skills can you use to help find a successful resolution to these conflicts. As you engage in this, I promise you, you will find yourself being less conflict avoidant and more assertive in expressing your needs within relationships. Towards the beginning, I referenced this idea that where there's a potential for conflict, there's an opportunity for connection. And I invite you to engage in this process. And as you do so, you'll live a more happy, abundant, and fruitful life. Okay, that takes care of this episode on conflict resolution. Hey, please tune in next time as we begin to explore emotional intelligence and its role with happiness and well-being. You guys know the drill. Stay zesty, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Bye.